into an obscure book, no irony. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to the book of Haggai. I'll give you 20 minutes to find it. It's okay. Um, But if you're not sure where it is, it's one of these little books towards the end of the Old Testament called a minor prophet. Um, Sometimes we can think that when it describes a minor prophet, it's not important. It's just that um, they're, they're small books that were just less long than Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah that are very lengthy. But I want to take you to a Haggai, and um, I want to just uh, read a few verses, and uh, um, I just want to, by God's grace, just lay something into us over the next few minutes that will just encourage our journey here in Arena Mansfield. So chapter 1, verse 1, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shalkiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is time for you, is it time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while the house, the house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but have never enough. You drink but have not enough filled. You have clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I might take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much. You see it turned out to be little. What you, what you brought home I blew away. Why, declares the Lord, because of my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your house. Therefore, because of the, because the heavens are withheld, their dew and earth its crops. I call for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else on the ground produces, on people and livestock, and all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shaltiel, Joshua, son of jo- Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and, the, and the, the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then, the Lord, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord. Interesting that Christian quoted Joshua. So here's another verse. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and Shealtiel, good and Judah, and to the spirit of Joshua, son of Jozadat, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord, the Almighty, in the 24th day of the sixth month. Now, I don't usually, in preaching, sort of read lengthy passages of Scripture, but I just wanted to sort of set a scene there. And you might think, what on earth is this about and where it's going? Number one, I still can't find it. And uh, number two, and number two, you know, it seems there was a lot of long names there talking about what, what on earth it was all about. But I want, if you remember nothing else tonight, I simply want to remind this. We're on a Sunday where uh, Christian this morning and myself tonight just sort of laying a word in just to cheer us on. You know that we love to sort of roll series in arena because it gives some sense of where we're going and we draw people into that and they graciously sort of bring their contribution. But we've just got a Sunday where um, we're just sort of dropping something in. This morning, uh, Christian encouraged us to be bearers and sharers of the faith. You are the one to reach the one. I was reminded of Romans 10 when he shared that because it says, how shall people hear unless they have uh, a messenger come to them? And the thought of, uh, or, or a preacher, and the thought of that in Romans 10, he's not just a preacher from the front 
but it's simply people that herald the message, that just bring the message. And tonight in Arena Mansfield, just have this word on my heart, just to simply encourage us this, don't stop building. Don't stop building. The first few minutes of the message are going to appear a little bit gloomy and negative. Please stay with me because it's going to turn. But I want to encourage us tonight to understand that the enemy that um, trembles when church gets serious with God wants us to do just that. And some of you will be aware very much because you've been right on the journey for some time of, of the building of this house called Arena Mansfield. Now three and a half years in. And um, we just thank God for what he's done. And uh, I remember going to the conference last year when we just bought this building. And we weren't able to meet in it at that point. And people were coming up. And I was telling people about how we'd been able to purchase this building. And for the price that we'd got it. And people from London were saying, surely there's got to be a one in front, you know, a, to make it a million. So it's no, no, that's... And they're just rolling about laughing, you know. Think, you know, but God has been so good. And uh, I was reminding people in Worcester last week that God keeps us humble. I says, we've still got a bucket somewhere to catch the rain, you know, because we've still not worked out that, um, that leak. But the fact of the matter is we've been amazingly blessed. People have come to us and uh, people have got saved and people have found a spiritual home. And uh, we're well into the journey. But as Christians reminded us, even recently, if you listen carefully in terms of what he's led and how he's ministered, he's reminded us, that to some degree, we're still at the beginning of the journey. We're still pioneering. We're still establishing. We're still working through. And you know from the Mark Batterson teaching that one of the things that sits in the heart of Arena in terms of our prayer and intercession and ministry is that we're thinking long. You know, forgive me for a moment, getting a little melancholic, but I get a bit worried sometimes because, you know, people... Uh, who's the... Uh, Bob... Uh, who's Bob Hoskins, you know. And then it says he was 71. Well, it's only 12 years off me. You know, he was 71 and he's gone. And you sometimes get a bit, you think, I wonder how many years I've got on this earth. You know, you don't think that, but I'm 60 next year, you see. So, but I wonder how, how many years I've got on this earth. I wonder if I'm going to still make them count for God. We're thinking long. We're not just thinking about me or Christian. We're thinking about Josh. And we're thinking about... He's not there, but you know what I mean. But, but you know, we're thinking about kids' church. We're thinking about these kids growing up to serve God and to be a wit thinking long. And we must not stop building. Just as we were worshipping tonight, um, I just sort of sensed that God was even encouraging people tonight to really take hold afresh of what it meant to be part of the building project here. We thank God that people's laid, uh, that God's laid it on people's hearts to join the building process here. Thank God for Paul and Liz following their hearts. Uh, love this town with a passion. Unashamedly, Mansfield people love it, pray for it. And for them to join us and say, we want to be part of the building project of Arena Mansfield, it's helped us hugely. And for other people to come along and feel the heart of God and to become part of what God's doing. I just sense that God's even speaking to people tonight about that. We need people that will join us to help us build what God is building. But I want you to think for a moment that these people came to a place where the building had stopped. I'll come to it in a moment, but it stopped for 16 years. So they started something, and they didn't look as though at one time they were going to finish it. And the thing is, friends, that 
here in Arena Mansfield, and even across our nation, and particularly across Western civilization, there's a battle on. And it's trying to get us to come to a place where we start building what God wants to build. Let me just give you a few thoughts on this. Please, don't get gloomy about it, but I want to just give a backdrop. Even this week, the Humanist Society have made the decision that in every school in this country, they're going to send the Young Atheist Handbook to place into the hands of kids in every school in our nation to try and tell them there isn't a God. Just a couple of weeks ago, and bear in mind it was in the church times, Prime Minister Cameron just innocently sort of said how the, the Christian faith had helped him. It was probably in relation to when they sadly lost their little boy, Ivan, a couple of years ago. And how the Christians ought to feel more open and evangelic about their faith. Boy, it seemed innocent. It was in the church times that he made these comments. The week later, 52 militant atheists wrote to the Daily Telegraph saying, our prime minister's being divisive. Really? Divisive. What do you think has shaped the medical journey of this country? What do you think has shaped penal reform? What do you think has shaped education? It's Christian belief that spilled itself out again and again and again in our nation. We've got very intelligent, very clever, very arrogant men and women that in this nation, at this particular time, are far more militant, sadly, than many of the Christians. I went to a forum on Europe a few a week last Thursday. I told you it would wreck me, and it did. Five, 739 million people in 50 nations. I was listening to the fact that in Poland, there are 40 towns in Poland with no, and let me emphasize, no Christian witness. Nothing. Nothing. Ian Greenwich laid his life into Europe, sort of said to me, and said to the, the group that were listening, it's been a lot slower than I thought. And the last week, a lovely lady went to school as normal, as she'd done for the last 40 years in Corpus Christi Academy in Leeds. Poured her life out for the kids. Always went the extra mile. And darkness met with lights, and she never got home. I've been surprised how people have been so dismissive of it and said it was just one of those things. Really? I think it reflects something that's going off. I say all these things, friends, because it might be at times that you look on all these things and say, what's God doing? Well, I want to tell you what God's doing, friends. God is building. God is building. And all that God is looking for is a people, whatever seems to be happening, whatever seems to stand against us, however much the spirit of darkness wants to push back and get us to stop, are saying, by God's grace, the last thing we're going to do He's pushed back on what God's doing. We're never going to stop building. Now, let me give you a little context for Haggai. It's a little book, and you might think it's got nothing to do with us, but I think it's a book that speaks right into our generation. It's a book of restoration, and God is a restoring God. If people fall away from God, what does God want them to be doing? He wants them to be restored. If people have lost things, God wants them to be restored. If the church friends has gone up a cul-de-sac and doesn't know what he wants to do, God wants to restore vision. God loves to restore. And ultimately, friends, the purpose of God through history is that one day we will come to a complete sense of restoration. It started in a garden. It's going to finish in a garden. We're just sometimes in the weeds in between. But God will ultimately restore what he began with through his church in Jesus' name. And so, 
Haggai talks to us about God coming to a people that for whatever reason had stopped. The Bible tells us in Romans 15 and 4 that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So through the endurance that the scriptures give and the encouragement, we might have hope. In 1 Corinthians 10, the, the writer uses four illustrations of what took place in the history of the people of Israel. He says, I've written these things to help you learn from the past. Everything's been written to paint a picture that we can apply into the present. And Haggai is what we call a post-exile prophet. What happened was God lost patience with his people. He prophesied, he warned them, he told them. Jeremiah sold his life into it. He says, guys, if you don't repent, there's a force coming from the north that's going to wipe you out. And eventually, God was true to his word. And the Babylonians came down, they ransacked the temple, they raised it to the ground, they knocked flat the walls, they took the booty back to the north. And the people for 70 years were in exile. Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, when we sat down and wept, when we remembered Zion. And they were outside of the perfect central purpose of God. But God heard the cries of his people. And God began to stir something. And God began to raise a remnant. And never underestimate, friends, when you call upon God, how God hears it. And after those 70 years, and it's recorded in Ezra the scribe, a people, around about 50,000 people, under the leadership of Zerubbabel, returned to the broken Jerusalem, and their first task was to rebuild the temple. And I want you to go to Ezra for a moment, because it gives us a little insight into what began to take place in this particular situation. They went there, and... <clears throat> Initially, as they got back to the heart of the nation, things began to work so well. Ezra chapter 3, verse 11. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. The Lord is good, his love endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundations of the house were laid. And so it goes on. It says there was weeping and crying because 70 years after the temple had been raised to the ground, they'd laid a fresh foundation and thought, great, we're going to be building the temple. But we've got a little phrase in arena that sort of says, don't stop me now, because here's the truth, and it works out every time. The Frank Damasio phrase, new level, new devil. Every time you step into the more of God, guess what? The enemy wants to take it from you. Every time. Every time. Don't let it stop you. So when we go into chapter 4, notice that things began to gather to seek to get them to stop. Verse 4, then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah. Number one, discouragement. I wonder how many people tonight aren't in a church in Mansfield and the surrounding area simply on the basis that they got discouraged. I'd suggest, friends, it's quite a few. They lost courage. Then he goes on to say in chapter 4 and verse 4, and the people of God... And made them afraid to go on building. Fear. Then verse 5. Then these people around them <clears throat> set out to... Oh, sorry, verse 5. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans. Verse 6. At the beginning of the reign of Xerxes, they lodged an accusation against the people of Judah. See, four things there. They still work out today in our lives. Number one discouragement. 
trying to take courage away from the people. Number two, fear. And the Bible says that fear brings torment. Fear brings bondage. You heard it tonight. It's only the fear of the Lord that brings wisdom. Number three, frustration. Boy, we have to work through some frustrations on the journey at times. Trying to work with people, trying to deal with people, trying to talk to authorities at times. It seems to take long times. And number four, accusation. Accusation. That's people saying things about you that aren't true. And it happens all the time. If you're a leader, you know, even this week, people say, oh, you've seen what so-and-so put about you on Facebook. Can somebody please use Facebook positively, by the way? If you're going to go on it, stop venting your angst. Stop telling people you're depressed and fed up. Put something positive on it if you're going to go on. But straight on Facebook this week, trashing me and him. You see? It happens all the time. Don't talk to us about it, but they make accusation. It happens all the time. And uh, the, the fact of the matter is, it's people trying to get us to stop building. Even this journey, friends, of Arena Mansfield, accusations that we've had to work through, that somehow we're in this for personal gain, to quote, somehow we're going to strip the asset. All these cheap, shot comments that get made about people. Why? To get us to start building. To get us to start building. And the reality is, friends, here it works because it says in verse 24 of, Acts, of Ezra 4, a very sobering verse, it says, Thus the work on the house of the Lord came to a standstill. Standstill. And the Bible records it that for 16 years nothing happened. They laid this foundation, there was weeping, there was joy, there was praise, there was thanksgiving. But then people said, oh, well, we're going to stop that. We're going to stop that. And the people bought it. The people bought it. And I want you to notice very briefly four things that journey, that turn this journey around. Number one, there was evaluation. This is where we come to Haggai chapter one because God sends a prophet. He's known as the encouraging prophet. And he sends a word to the people. And he says, guys, you need to evaluate what's taken place because here's what happens. When... The church of Jesus Christ loses heart and stops building. It goes in on itself. It starts to say, how can we preserve what we've already got? And we are setting ourselves up for decline. It happens again and again and again and again. And the people, friends, went in on themselves. They lost a sense of purpose. They lost a sense of priority because all of a sudden they were looking after their houses, not the house. And they lost a sense of progress. And in those verses that I read to you, the prophet lines out to them that your expectations had not been fulfilled. They needed to evaluate. Now, I'm not saying that about Arena Mansfield tonight. But what I'm saying, friends, is that we must forever push back on anything that stops us building because all of a sudden then it becomes not about building the house, but it becomes about us. And God speaks to the people and says to them that he was with them. That he was with them. And you know, what an amazing turnaround that was, that they knew that God was with them, verse 13. You know, sometimes we feel that prophetic words have got to be really complicated, don't we? 
you know, and if we've not got a vision of Ezekiel's wheels or something, it's not worth saying. But I am with you completely changed the atmosphere. And I confess it over Arena Mansfield again tonight. You've already heard it, friends, and there was no collusion in terms of how the meeting was going to go. God is with us. God is with us. And when God is with us, it makes all the difference. He says in verse 12, when they heard that, then there was a response from the people. They obeyed, they feared, and they were stirred. And they says, we're bringing a fresh response to the Lord. And they began to work again on the house. And out of that building, friends, there was another three things that took place. Number one, there was a call to continuation. Because it's all right starting and it's all right restarting, but we must continue. And I don't have time to read it tonight, but in the first verses of chapter 2, Haggai says again, I am with you. I am with you. And the reason he had to tell them that he was with them is because two or three things were stirring in the people's hearts. They were comparing with the past and they were concerned about the future. And the end result is if we get overly taken up with either of those things, we do nothing in the present. So their comparison with the past was, well, this temple's never going to be as good as Solomon's temple. Absolutely right. Solomon's temple was lavish. Solomon's temple was opulent. According to the will of God, Solomon's temple just dripped with everything that you could think of in terms of fabric. And uh, those of you that like interior design, you've been drooling for days walking around Solomon's temple. It's incredible. And the new temple... Well, by comparison, it didn't seem as though it had a lot going for it. And how many times have we heard people say, it's all right, you're talking about him being a Mansfield. I can remember in 1960 that, you know, so-and-so I'm doing it. It'll never be as good as when so-and-so there and pastor so-and-so. And we start to make comparisons. And thank God, friends, there's been good seasons in churches in Mansfield in the past. Thank God for that. We're not, we, we, thank, we, we all live out of a blessing of what people have sown in the past, but we can't live there. We can't live there. And then we look into the future. And because of some of the things I said at the beginning, we can become concerned with the future. And God says, go forward with faith because I am with you. And verse 9 of Haggai 2 has been a, a real verse of blessing to me now for many years because it says there that the glory of the former house... <clears throat> Sorry, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. And the glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former. In other words, God says, the building might not be the same, but the glory that's coming is far better than anything that we've had in the past. And when you read that word glory in the Bible, it literally means weight, weight of presence. And... and, uh, we can't contrive it. We can't work it up. But friends, I want to I confess again tonight that God wants to come increasingly with the weight of his presence. Wouldn't it be fantastic if we saw people healed in the meeting by the weight of his presence? Wouldn't it be fantastic if prodigals, even before the end of the service, were weeping before God and said, God, I need to get right with you by the weight of his presence. 
Wouldn't it be fantastic if young people increasingly received a call of God to ministry through the glory? And, and sometimes people say, oh, we don't, want, we don't just want glory meetings. Well, we don't just want glory meetings that go in, but glory meetings that changes forever so that we go out is exactly what we want. And I want to confess again over Mansfield tonight, thanking God for everything he's done in the past. But whether it be in Arena Mansfield or elsewhere, I want to confess again that as we refuse to stop building, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former. There is something yet to come to this town that it has never experienced before. There is something of a move of God to come to this community that we've never, ever moved into before. He's just asking for a people to embrace it. So we're going to keep building. And then there was an affirmation. Because in verses 10 to 19, God reminds the people that compromise brings consequences. And these people had compromised. The building had ceased, but they turned again. Verse 19, from this day, I will bless you. Isn't God gracious, friends? Isn't he wonderful? He could have wiped these people out of the stroke and said, you know what, I sent you off for 70 years and you still haven't learned. You spent 16 years messing about, fooling around, no priority for me. But he says, your heart's changed. You've turned again to me. And from this day on, I'm going to bless you. If you're in the meeting tonight, you feel that it may have been 16 years, you've just fooled around. God says tonight he loves you. And from this day on, he wants to bless you. It may have been that somehow you've just gone cold in your heart. You've lost your passion for the house. It may be that you don't know where you fit or belong. And God's speaking to you from this day. From this day. Because that's the incredible grace and love of God. He affirms us afresh. And finally, it brings confirmation. There are five I wills in the last four verses of the book. And the one that I really love is he says that you are my signet ring. It indicates a special and close relationship. Let me confess, I don't like rings. You know, so you won't see me dripping with rings. But I wear this one. It's just a plain ring. But it, it, it indicates a special relationship. I'm, I'm married to Sharon. Been married a long time. I lost my original ring. And this one replaced it when we moved all, all those years ago. It's the only ring I'll ever wear. It's the only ring I'll ever wear. And God says tonight, you're my signet ring. You're special. I've got a relationship with you. I'm close to you. I love you. You're, you're, you're precious to me. We're his signet ring. And he brings confirmation to his friends. What happened? Well, if you go back to Ezra 6 and 14, it tells you that they finished the building of the temple. Now, I don't know when the finishing point's going to be for this church. I suggest it's down there somewhere. But if we're going to get to what, whatever the finishing line is, it must mean that in the process we've got people that commit to continually build. And those of you that like to work with your hands know that building is often hard work. If you've worked on a building site, if you've labored, if you're a bricklayer, if you're a plasterer, if you're an electrician, if you're a plumber, you know, sometimes there's muck and dust around and all of those sorts of things. But you've got something in view. You've got that new house, that new factory. That, that, I mean, I don't know how long it's took them to build that McDonald's at Ilkeston. It's been about 27 years. that we, you know, But they've had all sorts of problems. 
but they've kept building. And all of a sudden, the McDonald's sign went up last week. I thought, hello, we're not far off now. Just down from the church. Had all sorts of problems, but they've kept building, kept going. And I see guys coming out with hard hats on and dust all over the face and all those sorts of things, but they've kept going. And I want to encourage us tonight, young people, in terms of what you connect with, older people in the church, I want to encourage us to keep building. That's, that's really the, just the sense of the message. Thank God for all that he's done, friends. Thank God. It's a good place to be. We love being here on a Sunday evening doing Sunday church in this great town. Thank God, friends, for all that he's done. Thank God for helping us. Thank God for all, all that he's working through in our lives. And sometimes we can look at things nationally, internationally, and even locally. Say, God, is it worth it? Seems there are so many things going off in the world that are pushing back on what you want to do. But Christian's been in a context this week, and no doubt he'll spill as he gets opportunity over the next few weeks for us to recognize, friends, that God is doing something in the earth. Not because people are better than us, but just so that we can connect with them. God is doing something in the earth. And I want to encourage you tonight just to lift your hands and heart again to God. You may say, I've never become a believer. In a moment or two, Christian will give you an opportunity to become a believer. Join this building project called the kingdom of God. We need you. We need you. We need you. You know, I was watching a documentary just a few weeks ago as we celebrate the centenary of the beginning of the First World War. I was just fascinated. I was incredibly moved. Now, Lord Kitchener, who's the war minister, you know, he made this impassioned plea for guys to go to war. And please, I'm not flagging up war. You know, I glory in sacrifice, not in conflict. But there was just this incredible groundswell from the nation of people that said, yeah, we're going. We're going to defend the liberty of our nation. You know, the consequences were dreadful. Tens of thousands of people that gave their lives. But there were people at 14, 15, pretending to be 18, 19, because they were going to go to war. They left the mom, they left the dad. It was just an incredible response. This country needs you. He was a brilliant publicist. All of his, all of his posters, you know, written in cartoon style, they were brilliant. They just impacted people. And if I can put it bluntly tonight, friends, there's a finger that points from heaven. Never mind about anywhere else in the world, but in this context where God has placed us, and says, we need you. We need you. The kingdom of God needs you. And tonight, if you've in any way been discouraged, let courage arise again. If anybody's tried to lay fear into you, or push you back from what God's called you to be, don't allow it. If somebody sought to put accusation upon your life, or frustrate what God wants to do, don't let him. Don't let them. Don't let anything come to you that will stop you being what God wants you to be. Is some of this stuff pleasant at times? Of course it isn't. But to keep going forward in what God has called us to do. And I love Haggai. And you might not read it again for a long time. And you might not understand some of the long words and some of the long names. But don't let it put you off. It's simply a wonderful couple of chapters right there towards the end of the Old Testament. That he's simply saying that God's a restoring God. The people have lost it, and they seem to have lost it a second time. But he came to them, he reminded them that he was with them, and he stirred them to complete the task. Brothers and sisters, thank God for this journey.
that there's been a God-ordained journey here tonight. We're not here because we can't think of anything else to do. We're here because God has ordained this journey. He is bringing people together. We need you. We need you to bring your contribution. If you're not planted in a church, if you're not part of what of a, a local fellowship, if you've never found a sense of relationship, we need you. We need you to be part of what God is doing in this place. And brothers and sisters, whatever comes to us, whatever said about us, whatever pushes back on us, let's never forget to never stop building. Amen.